Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full stack development team with top talent, it costs half as much as in-house developers, and you know you can trust your SaaS or mobile app with us. We'll give you the first 30 days, no risk, and we guarantee being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.io. Let's talk about your SaaS project today. Today, we have Didi Horn, founder and CEO of SkyX. SkyX is a leading provider of cutting-edge aerial technologies and AI to deliver actionable data needed to be predictive advice to help increase results and revenues for their clients. SkyX is a data as a service. And Didi explains how he came up with the idea and how he has built this in industry leading technology. How are you today, Didi? I'm perfect. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. I gave you a quick intro, but why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what problem you solve for your customers? All right. First, thank you very much for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, and thank you for your time. So I'm originally from, uh, from Israel and I grew up in Israel and uh, I served almost a decade in the Israeli Air Force, starting with the Flight Academy and then moving to drone squadrons, where my last two positions with the Air Force were the first one is on this, you know, drone squadron, being in charge of special ops, one of the leading drone squadrons that Israel ever built, uh, largest or similar like the global, the American Global Hawk. And the last position was uh, on the headquarters being the link to the defense industry by design, develop, implement later, and technologies like Air Force know to do five, 10, and 15 years in advance, which put me in a very interesting position and very young age working with uh, really talents and experts in uh, the autonomous aerial system solution as a whole. Almost six years ago, after, as mentioned, 10 years of service, I figured that there are many drones out there and there are different kinds of them, different types of them, but like cars, you cannot use Ferrari the same use that you do, you do with a Ford F-150 or with a semi-trailer truck. You need to define really good your mission and therefore take the solution that's appropriate to it. And what I, uh, I saw around is that while the military worldwide adopted drones as great vehicle uh, for the modern uh, uh, warfare, commercial side has none and really benefited nothing from it. And what I wanted to bring is data from everywhere to anyone who needs it in the frequency he requires. Meaning, if you are an oil and gas pipeline operator or service provider or company, and you want to see what's going on in your thousands of miles of pipeline, you want to track leaks, spills, um, you want to see vegetation encroachment in some areas of the world, you want to prevent steal of oil, you don't have right now any way to do it. You send people 
or people in, in trucks and vehicles to look for it. And eventually you get very sporadically information that cannot be learned and then turn into a predictive over time. Skyac's idea and mission statement is to provide data from the air, bird's eye view data, as a service. Meaning we sell the service, we do not sell the hardware. So the customer, at the end of the day, gets the information that we collected after processing it, an actionable item he can use, and not hardware piece that he needs to train himself and you know get himself to know until he sees some fruits come out of it. So that's basically the, the idea behind SkyX. Okay, great. That's quite a lot of information. So I'd like to sort of break that down. So as I understand, you have the data. Where are you getting the data? Is it the data of, I mean, where is it available for you to get? So SkyX produced, developed in-house in Toronto, Canada, a very unique drone that's capable of takeoff vertically, transition to horizontal flight and fly for significant um, time or miles in its flight, around 60 miles in one flight, and the current version can get even to 100 miles. Uh, that collecting these pictures or videos depends on the customer from any side that we, that we are deploying it. We added to it a station, which we call the X station, which is a 20-foot container, which we customized and allow the drone to land on it, recharge itself, check its critical system, get telemetry and weather and all that, and then launch not back, but forward to its next mission. By that, with only those two pieces, you can basically extend the mission range to thousands of miles. So one drone and a few stations can potentially monitor the whole Keystone XL from Alberta to the Gulf of Mexico and get exactly this data in a very efficient means like no other company currently capable of. Okay, that sounds that totally makes sense. So in this scenario, you provide this for say like a company like uh, Keystone and they purchase these drones and then they do that or is that a contract that you guys do for them or how does that work? So I'll share with you a story uh, very early on. So basically after I, I left uh, the Air Force, instead of going to, you know, the great uh, trip or whatever that be in South America or Asia or whatever, uh, I decided to participate in um, conferences and exhibitions, summits of energy companies. Why I did that, I found that in those exhibitions, you know, industry secret, if you ambush and have the patience, you probably can meet C-level guys that coming to their booth and very prone to talk. So yeah. you can approach them and ask them questions. So you can meet potentially the VP of Shell, VP of Axon, VP of Transport Canada, and ask them questions. What if I have this and that technology? Mm -hmm. uh, what would you do with it? Is that helping you? And what I've heard over and over is that they are keen to get data from the air, but they're not keen to have airplanes. They don't keen to have drones. Mm -hmm. They don't want the hardware. They actually, even though they have the money, they don't want to invest because every you will put tomorrow small software in a large corporate, you need to train everyone on yeah. it and their you know, maintenance. So the idea to develop SkyX was, you know, dump it. Let's provide them what they want. They want the actionable item. They don't care if I'm doing it with a spaceship, with iPhone, or with the drone like we do. They just want the data. Yeah. So the yeah. way we do it is just reducing our cost, but we provide them the data they're looking for. 
Okay, so it's included essentially is what you're saying. So this service, so as I'm imagining the scenario of customer onboarding is someone will come to you and they have some asset like a mining company or something like that will come to you and they say, okay, I need you to map this out. You say, okay, it's X amount, which I imagine is quite a lot because this, you know, to do this drone technology and this, uh, it sounds like it's a significant investment of your time and resources, you go out and map that, and then you only give them the data. Is that correct? So we redundant the whole questionnaire. Like many companies, we started with, you know, asking a bunch of questions and then the customer kind of know what he wants, but he doesn't really know what he wants. So you need to find the balance there. And we really pushed the team to find three key questions that we can approach every customer, he can very rapidly answer them, and we know to appreciate if we are the solution or not, and maybe other companies. Right. The three questions that we are asking is that, what are you looking to see, right? What are you looking to monitor? People, vehicle, vegetation, theft. How frequent you want to see that, right? Once a month, once a week, or three times a day? And what are the length, right, of your asset or, or, or the area of your assets. We're mm-hmm. usually looking about kind of a linear area, you know, anything above 60 to 100 miles, because less than that, there are many other small drones, mini drones capable of providing that. 60 miles and above, there are not much of solution that you can find. And with those three questions, I know to appreciate if I'm the solution, because if customer will come to me and say, look, I have 100 miles, sounds good, but I do require it to be monitored once a year. I will tell him, look, I'm not your solution. Go hire some Cessna pilot. He will do it perfectly. And, you know, you can count on him. Yeah. But if you require to see even 60 miles, but every day of the week, then probably I'm the most efficient solution for you, not because I'm the one that can provide, you know, the routine flights. It's because after a while, when I collect this data, I will be able to tell you, look, in case we're looking, for example, for theft, right? Look, I found a hole in the ground. And last week, this hole was, you know, smaller. And the week before, it was smaller. So I know, based on my historical analytics, to tell you that if you don't take any action, this hole will look like that in a month from now. So first mm-hmm. of all, I know to flag the problem for him, and then he know how to, you know, approach it. Secondly, I'm, I'm telling him, instead of looking for the thousands of kilometers that you have, Let's just point you to the areas of interest, areas of problem that you have. So instead of sending all your staff everywhere on, you know, based on the calendar, no, just send them to the right areas and you know to decrease a lot of the hazards, a lot of the problems, a lot of the accidents. You maybe you can decrease the premium of insurance that you're paying because you're reducing and the issues and increase the safety. So I think companies, not just oil and gas, but many long-range infrastructure, strategical infrastructure, know to appreciate that we are saving the money not two years, three years from now. I'm basically saving the money two months or two weeks, depends how frequent I'm flying, after I deployed just by providing them data that currently is not available for them. Okay. And I gather that that's where the AI comes in. You're analyzing, going back, looking at different sections or whatever images and comparing and then you have alerts or something or you have some some kind of data that shows okay there's something that's changing here and that's what's really valuable to them is that right 
Yes, 100%. What the process we developed allowing us, and again, uh, um, we need to keep our cards a bit secret, but um, allow ourselves to get to an algorithm that instead of the need to fly above a subject, um, let's say thousands of times, in order to get the system understand that is, I don't know, cup of tea or cup of coffee, whatever that issue, if we're talking about the table, and only after a thousand times, you know, to fly it and have to automate the process, we develop the process that can reduce that to a very singular amount of elements, meaning after 10, 20, maybe 30, sometimes less, I know to define the object, I know to define anomaly, I know to provide the customer the images, the information in a faster circle than any other provider. Now, why is that important? If you look for the same objects all the time, like if you, I don't know, a CCTV camera in a mall and you're looking only for people, that's okay. But if you're flying on a different terrains and by flying, you know, in Canada, you can fly 600 miles around whatever and it's really different terrain. You can be in a green background or white background or, you know, a bit yellow background. It, it changes what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, people and vehicles could be easier than vegetation, could be much easier than spills uh, or change in the water, you know, kind of a shape and, and, and color that can tell you that if there is underwater some sort of an oil uh, spill. In order to develop that, you need this process to happen, and that's what we developed. And right now we can provide it to customers for the long range systematically. Okay, that's very clear. I'd like to go back to this idea of you going to the events, because I think that's very clever, and I've not heard of people using that approach. Can you tell me a little bit about the like what you were looking for? Like what made you not want to go and you know, I, I've traveled and see the Israelis, you know, they travel in packs and after for the gap year. Why didn't you do that? And what drove you to these conferences and what were you looking for? Did you know you wanted to do a SAS or what were you looking for? I knew that the potential of drones is not yet executed. And that was true six years ago and it's still true to this day. We're not using what drones really can provide us. Okay. And the reasons are many. Right. Obviously, it's yeah, you know humanity adaptation for those elements flying in the sky, to regulation and all that. But I think it's mainly by the industry pushed the ability to have you know smaller batteries, smaller propellers, basically composite materials that allow basically any child build a small drone in his garage. Mm -hmm. Right. So very fast, you see all those drones flying around. It's okay, amazing. I can fly for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. What then? But in order to get really something from it, you need, like I started with, you need to really define clearly what are you trying to solve? It's not I'm trying to build a vehicle. I'm trying to build a platform that will solve something specific. And I knew that the commercial market will be the first one to adopt it because they have those pain points. And I didn't know enough what are those pain points mm -hmm. are. So I said, okay, I need to learn it. And I read you know, financial reports of oil companies. And I can tell you, I'm not an accountant. That was a disaster. Hell, to <laughs> I do. can imagine. Yeah. Like <laughs> and you look between the numbers to understand what exactly they like, how much they spending on monitoring and how you, you know, separate that from any other cargo, any other regular flight. 
I put myself in a very um, tough routine of learning till 4 a.m. in the morning because I understood that those pain points are there. Yeah. And if we define them very clearly, we might be able to build a solution for them um, best than any other. Okay, so you very specifically knew that drone technology was being underserved in the corporate market. What sorts of businesses did you find? Was it only gas and oil? What other industries are really helped by your platform in solving this particular problem? I will take uh, uh, this question uh, upside down. Nowadays, we're having in a world that we have maybe too much of a data about our body, about our computers, about some of our behaviors and all that. We're getting into the point where, you know, every move that each person do, uh, you have something to track, track it or learn its patterns. And, it, you know, we think that we are individual, but actually we, you know, working in the same patterns like many others in a way. We right now, and I think back in the days I heard, it was a CEO of IBM back then, I forgot her name, that mentioned that the data that we are having or we have right now is maybe 10% of the data that we can collect. And some of the layer of data that we don't have right now is this bird's eye view level of data, mm -hmm. how it looks from above. Mm -hmm. And that's relevant for oil and gas, that's relevant for transmission lines, relevant for roadway conditions. I can tell you that we've been approached um, a couple of months ago to monitor fires in uh, San Francisco and before that in Greece. We've been approached by uh, Namibia to look for hunters against the black rhinos, uh, that, you know, hunting the black rhinos. Mm -hmm. um, it's really anything that you can track from above, and that's a lot, any right. lo low-grade infrastructure could take this valuable information and use it. Okay. Uh, I'll give one, just one more example. We had an approach by a country that got suffered very lately from people crossing the border with COVID. And uh -huh. they didn't know how to stop it. Like tons of people crossing the border. And then they called us. And again, so in compared to us, they put predators, right? The American predators. And they put another company with smaller drones. Yeah. And in the first session with them, I told them, look, we're not the one to follow any individual that crossing the border and you want to follow him, okay? So yeah. if you're looking for a terrorist guy that, you know, this is a specific guy that I need to look for him and need to, you know, go after him, that's not us. You can find military drone solution that's out there, workable, that's not us. But okay. if you have 10,000 miles of border, right, and you want to understand where the 80% of, you know, intruders jumping off the fence and put your people there, and then like you can point into this area, that area, and that area, reduce by 80% the numbers, those patterns, that's exactly what Skypes provide, that valuable data that you can use with. So in, in that scenario, you would basically set up along the border and fly every day this long section of the border, and then they could see, okay, here's where the people are coming through. We've caught it, you know, like seven days in a row. This is where you need to send and patch up this, you know, whatever, or send your protection people to stop this from happening. That's essentially the scenario that you're solving, eh? Yes, and you cannot you, you cannot put men every meter of the of the fence. In those hours of the day, in those yeah. locations, most of the people crossing. You put your people there, you prevented eighty percent of the issue. Okay, okay, that's good. So, when you discovered this problem, can you tell me about how you went about? I mean, you're the founder. Was it overwhelming? It sounds like a very big problem. How did you go about putting together your team? 
and financing and things like that. Can you walk me through that? I can tell you the very first challenge nowadays that when you build startups and, you know, I was hearing a lot of podcasts back in the day, speaking with a lot of people to understand exactly how to approach this world, how to develop. I had no business experience before and I came from the, you know, military with no budget issues for the military. The first question is, how do you overcome the fact that you need to develop hardware? Because mm. most investors will tell you, I'm invest only in software because I think hardware is, you know, is tough. Yeah. And you need a lot of money, right? Yeah. To build yeah. it right. So how you take it and really reduce it and prove that the only reason that you build the hardware is because currently there is no hardware out there. It's like you're starting a delivery company, but you have no vehicles to deliver your product, right? Mm -hmm. So you, unfortunately, you need to build the first vehicle and you need to determine what the best vehicle do it. By the way, we see, I don't know, UPS, or DHL or FedEx kind of building their own fleet because they figured that's the best way to, you know, send their materials. Mm -hmm. So in kind of that same approach, I knew the data is the target. I want to get the data. I want to get data, like I said, from everywhere to anyone in any frequency needs it. But I need to get there. So yeah. I needed a, a drone. I looked around and the drones that were out there was not relevant, not because the technology was not out there, because nobody defined this, the mission that I was chasing. So then I asked the second question, okay, if no one defined it, maybe you're wrong. Maybe there is no need of it. That's kind of what caused me to go to those conferences and exhibitions and jump on the stage in startup life that you develop product on your own, you just for the vision and then meet the customer and then the customer tells you what he really wants. I kind of jumped over it, got to the customer and asked him, I have this project, I have this product, I have this technology, I have that company. Would you buy it? And I expected to get no, what are you talking about? That's not what we need. You know, many no's along the mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And in return, I got the opposite. I got, yes, we need it tomorrow. Yes, if you have it, I want to buy it. Yes, where you guys base? Like, only positive. I said, yeah. oh my God, like, there is a need for that. We yeah. need to develop it. Okay. So so did you get pre-sales then? Is It sounds to me like you just took like pre-orders and you said, okay, if I build this, would you buy like, say, a year's worth of services in, in advance or something? How did you structure that? Or did you have to go out and raise investment funds? The problem and opportunity or the challenge and opportunity with selling to those giants, corporates, the whales, is that, look, on one hand, I do not require to uh, convince millions of users to use my app every day. Yeah. I do need only one, two, three and that's, you know, easy and it's, you know, it's spreading away. And also those one or two customers could be, you know, owning, I don't know, 50,000 miles around the, around the world. So it's, right. you know, just for that, I'm probably going to be profitable. Yeah. Um, so the challenge was how to approach those giants, you know, with nothing, basically. Yeah. So we are 30 guys or 40 guys or 50 guys in, I don't know, Toronto or anywhere else. How do you approach a company of 160,000 people? Yeah. Um, that was a great challenge. And that's why we knew from the beginning that we're going to build it in almost Air Force discipline. It's going to be, you know, everything going to be very high level industry or military grade solution that we're going to strip everything that is not military, but leave, you know, kind of rigid solution for them. So the stations, the drone, uh, later the software we will build is 
the proof of concept already showed that we're not talking something a kind of a better version. We're not talking something, you know, mediocre. We're talking very, very professional level. If you will get us the fund, if you put the trust with us, we can show you. Between 2016 and 2018, we built the technology. 2018, in a way, I stopped the team and I told them, okay, whatever we built, it's nice. Now we need to you hear the customer. And we moved to do demonstrations. And we went to different countries, right, from Central America, Africa, Asia, Canada, uh, US, and we tried different terrains, different customers, different requirements. Um, we had some failures, we had some crashes, but we had more than often successes. And the best for me was that I don't care about the crashes of the drone as long as I'm providing the data at the end of the demonstration to the customer. And I saw that the customer could be kind of, you know, not sure about if, you know, there was a failure in the process, but if he got the data, that's all he wanted. That's all he and cared about, yeah. From them, he said, were you guys ready? So 2019 was demonstrations. And in 2019, when we start commercialize the product, the first contract we signed, the very first contract was a seven-figure number uh, contract with a giant, uh, you know, partner with, uh, in Texas in uh, another country. So uh-huh. it showed us that there is interest and there is demand. Okay. And so that was the first customer. Um, the funding to get to that point, though, you went out and raised. Did you get um, angels or, or what was sort of the process for you to get to that point? Yeah, it was a funny story. Um, I think after almost uh, nine to ten months that I was, you know, funding my own vision and team and really probably burning every money that I uh, saved during my, uh, my military time, my Air Force time. And I got to a point where I said to myself, okay, I have like, I don't know, three or four more months. And after that, if nothing happens, I need to close it down and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I got a term sheet from a VC that was very draconic one. They wanted, uh, you know, 50% of the company for very low, you know, funds. And I heard that, you know, the kind of those VCs that really get into the business and they're almost having working in your business instead of you working for, for your vision. Mm-hmm. And, but I said, okay, money is money. You need to do whatever you need. And then I got approached by an aerospace company to came to visit and looked for round B investments. Mm-hmm. And the guy that connected with them told me, look, would you be available for lunch next week? They come into town. I want to share with the companies and I want to put you in for lunch with them. I said, okay, what are you looking for? He said, they're round B investments. I said, I'm like in seed stage, almost like pre-seed stage. Yeah, yeah. I'm not relevant. <laughs> said, yeah, you know, but I, I said, you don't have anything for a lunch, right? said, yeah. no. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be the entertainment. said, yeah, kind yeah. of, but, you yeah. know, it's good, good for you to, you know, run your pitch and all that. I said, okay, whatever. I did my pitch to them. That was a delegation of, like, you know, eight people. Obviously, I did not eat anything during that lunchtime. They, you know, shoot at me questions yeah, for, yeah. like, I want to say two hours. I came with kind of little drone that I had with my very little car that, you know, I carried around. And two days after, I was barbecuing with my friends and I got a call from him and he said, okay, be in an hour in the airport. I said, like, what a big deal. He said, they want to see you before they're leaving. I said, is that like important, you think? Like, it's relevant? Say, yeah, come on, come in. Okay, so I'm, you know, yeah. going to shower, getting to the airport. And they're sitting with me and I said, okay, we believe in your system. We want to invest double the amount that I got on the term sheet from the other VC. Yeah. And we want to run you till you get to product stage. 
how much money you think you will need till product stage. And I said, we're talking about like three years, you know, from now, kind yeah. of. Yeah. I said, yeah. So you're an efforts guy, put together what exactly, how can we quantify what product they will look like? We will fund you. I said, okay, do you need an answer like, you know, now or like, could I back to you? I said, no, no, we are here. Like we have, you know, another hour till the flight, you know, check it out <laughs> and come back. Yeah. I made some phone calls, came back with a very significant number for me at least back then, and and they said, okay, good to go. We'll land, we'll talk with the lawyers, and let's execute it. Yeah. I was in, you know, there was a moment of awe. It's like, you know, I was in shock totally. And the day after when I spoke with my lawyer, they said, it's not going to happen. They're just talking to you. They, you know, they dry you up for like six months. Those guys delivered the money, or we closed and executed, and money was in the bank. I think four months afterwards, which is you know super fast. That's really great. Can you tell us and how much um, how much the investment was? So this investment was for five million US dollars. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, um, structured to milestone along the way. Yeah. But the guarantee that was that if you're gonna meet those objectives, we're gonna fund you. You know, till product stay, which was sounds to like five. They ended up putting in eight point five before we went to another round with another investors in August 2018 that put another 8.5 million US dollars. So up to 2020, we've been funded by two uh, big investors. The second one was uh, more like an angel investor, uh -huh. but two big investors that I think both of them uh, not only looked for the business and, you know, fast, you know, RRI and all that, but really understood that the potential of having this data, we're not talking about being a service provider to oil and gas company, as good as that can be, yeah. we're talking about, you know, developing another layer of data yeah. in the world. And that's, you know, can end up by trillions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What do you think it was that, that was in that meeting that, um, was there anything that you can tell our listeners that you did during that meeting to sort of impress them? Or do you think it was just sort of the military background? Tell us about that meeting, like how you were to go and get, you know, essentially $5 million. I think that what they heard in that session, and by the way, I have this presentation that, you know, it's, if you look at it, it's like, oh my God, I cannot, be, I cannot believe that I shared it with them or with anyone. But I think what was behind the words on the presentation, what I spoke is the knowledge about or this precise solution in my mind to how do you going to attack it. So it's not only I had this vision to develop this and that. Yeah. It's, Hey guys, I met those customers. That's what they want. That's how we're going to build it. That's mm -hmm. how much money I think I needed. Now, obviously I was off here and there, but by the way, this business plan that I built again, without any accounting or, or too much of business uh, experience, I built, you know, during the nights over and over and, and run it through. This business plan served the company for, I want to say three to four years, which for me, every time that came, you know, new CFO and account the company, I said, okay, revise it. I said, no, it's actually it's working well. We'll do some adaptation, but we can count on it. I think when they saw it, uh, they understood that more than if they care about um, the full solution, it's very important to show confidence, knowledge, and the process. I'm going yeah. to believe on how you do things, how you get there. And I think that's why I'm hoping that's, that's what they saw. Yeah. Tell me about the business plan, because I'm imagining that this initial investment that you have to put down to, um, 
you know, to acquire all of this data is significant. How do you price that in? Because you own the hardware, you're presumably going to reuse it, anything that's wrong with it, you have. So there's a lot of unknowns in that. How do you price that? And can you break down the business model? So that's exactly what I did. I broke it down. You know, I got someone that that helped me and, you know, did some research. And then you put on the presentation those slides saying the drone business in five years will be that and much trillions. And the data side will be that and that trillions. And I said, okay, those are maybe interesting numbers. I don't know how to, you know, work with yeah. them. I don't know how to approach them. What does that mean? Trillions like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I don't know what to do with that. Right. Yeah. Let's break it down. I want to see one customer. I want to understand how much money I potentially can save to one customer and how can I grow within this one customer? And I said, okay, let's take oil and gas pipeline. Let's break it down. Let's put, you know, they have, I don't know, 10,000 miles. I don't care about 10,000. Let's have yeah. 10% of it. Yeah. Let's work with this. How much you can save to him? How much accidents they have in a year? How much they're spending? And you came, you came through data pieces like, I don't know, Mexico suffers from steel of oil in around $2.5 billion a year. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S. In, uh, have spent almost $40 million yeah, U.S. dollar a year on monitoring their assets. I said, okay, awesome. I'm breaking it down, put it together. And the business lens show them that if I chase only 2%, not 10, 2% of my potential market on one market, meaning mm-hmm. I'm not talking rail lines, transmission lines, all that. I'm talking oil and gas, 10%, 2% off that, all right? Mm-hmm. And for a year, I become profitable after two years. So yeah. even if I'm these crazy guys and the board of directors will decide we're not chasing your vision, the company is enough to be profitable so you don't lose your money. Mm-hmm. But if you chase your vision, you can end up as a unicorn on a billion-dollar level. So yeah. you know they can see you know all the scenarios and all the risk, and they deciding to invest in it and not. And I think that was my main message back then. Okay. So how are sales going for you now? Is COVID helping? Because or how is that working? So COVID put us together into very uh, um, two crazy scenarios. On one hand, obviously, like many other companies where we fought, you know, to survive it and not sure where, uh, where it ended up. And I think the team that we have showed amazing level of, you know, solidarity and strength because I came to them and I told them, hey, guys, we need to cut down around 30% of our burn rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back in March 2020, where I don't know if it's going to last three months, a year or two years. Yeah. And it's either I'm going to take, you know, some of the people and let them go or all of us, top to bottom, you know, me included, obviously, taking 30% of their salary down. Yeah. And I don't know for how long. And I said, I don't need answer here. Each one will go to his, you know, uh, um, direct manager and tell him what his, you know, real concern. Maybe he has a mortgage, maybe, you know, has some bills, need, he cannot afford it, you need to move. I don't know. Just share with them and, and that's yeah. fine. And all of them, you kind of unanimous came and say, okay, we're going to ready to take 30% cut. We want everyone to stay. Okay. Which was amazing to see. Yeah. And and so on one end, we kind of burned around, I want to say, six to seven months of our burn rate just waiting for the storm to pass. Yeah. But on the other hand, very early on, I want to say around May already, after kind of one month of quiet, we got projects to do during the pandemic. We saw the demand for anything. I think we experienced that. Anything remote, anything connected yeah. to robots, That's what I was anything, thinking. You know, yes, 
anything that basically tells the oil company, instead of taking your guys, put them on an airplane, fly them to another country, check the pipe. No, have a drone, do it for you. You yeah. so say, oh, of course I'll do that. It makes more sense because nobody wants to fly if it's not critical. So we saw the demand rising significantly. I think we increased the pipeline of sales, I want to say, almost by 20 times as much. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, there is hesitation of signing contracts because of uncertainty on the markets. Yeah. Um, we did manage to sign substantial contract in November that is for five years with one of the top 10 companies of oil and gas in the world, which we will be published and announced um, probably in the second quarter of 2021. And we believe that that will be maybe the first domino piece that will allow us to close other deals uh, like, those, like this uh, in the first two quarters of the year. Okay, that makes sense. Now, how do you deploy, though? Because presumably you're under the same travel restrictions. Do you just delay? You sign the contract and you delay until you can travel? Or you're able to do some travel, like travel out to wherever you need to set up these installations? So, first of all, you can travel. I travel to the U.S. and I traveled to uh, some country in South America be a month before. And I traveled uh-huh. to Canada. and I tra- Like, I'm traveling. Yeah, you can do it. You just need to prepare it. It's not like, you know, touch and go like we used to do. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you need to do quarantine. So as long as the company that we're working with or the customer you're working with is understand what the process is going to look like and it's a bit different than before and you take in consideration issues sometimes with import and export, like we saw, I think, last month with the fact with the thing around the UK, which, you know, stuck some of the containers to be shipped on time because... The whole, I don't know, port situation was old. Yeah. old. So, yes, you need to take it in mind. But I think the demand is significant. And what we sense from the market is people got to understand, okay, the COVID is here, maybe fading away during 2021. It won't be out before the end of the year, probably. But we need to move on. We need to go. We need right. to understand how we're working within, with it. Uh, and we are part of the solution. Okay, so essentially your business has has been affected, but it's going to survive. Things are going well. You've worked it out. What are some of your big plans um, going into the future? Are there any any other things? That we're getting close to the end of our hour. Where are you headed, and and what can you tell our our listeners about data as a service? You know, in terms of where you're headed. So I will share one project that came to our front door in last November with one of, uh, I want to say, maybe top companies in the world that approached us and told us that they're putting together very cutting-edge technology solution to help San Francisco on the prevention of fires or to reduce the fire hazards as it happened, as we, as we all you know, saw um, in the news. Are you talking about and, fire, forest fires or are you talking about structure fire? No, forest fires, okay. like to monitor those wildfires. Okay, yeah. And, you know, for the first approach, say, okay, like, that's not our business. Like, I don't know how to approach it. Let's us learn, let us learn that. And on the first call, I told them, look, if you are looking for, you know, someone to track fires as they happen, that's not us, right? There yeah. are many other solutions out there. Go, go seek them. But if you want someone to maybe fly over and over above those forests, maybe around the year, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And check the parameters of everything. I don't know, winds, directions, uh, temperature, humidity in the air, many other elements, and blend them together and fuse them together, which eventually will turn to a data piece that 
then can be provided, for example, for the governor to tell him, look, on those you know, level of humidity, winds, whatever, those areas here, 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 and there are prone to problems, prone to ignite fires more, you know, more easy than others. Mm-hmm. You need to check, I don't know, old generators, you need to take off people, you need to allow more water to the, to the, to the house there, I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's what we do. Yeah. And the feedback we got from it was super positive. And this really opened my mind, my, my head to other elements that maybe with not thinking about the level of data, what data can provide them, but by doing so, you allow yourself to prevent more and more issues, hazards, risks that we have as humanity, which, you know, really for me is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very exciting. Obviously, huge potential in other areas as well with, you know, the out in droughts or stuff that's happening in Australia and things like that. So um, it sounds very exciting. Uh, congratulations on your success, Didi. How can our listeners find you if they want to find out more about what you're doing or ask you any follow-up questions from the show? So I have a profile on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. I'm not a... <laughs> you're not trying to be secretive or anything. You're an open book. Yeah, I'm open book there. And I'm not publishing that much. But if you approach me, I love the conversations with very you know smart people and getting those questions and whatever we can share. We saw it only helping and benefit all of us to you know, really push this new old, new era of using data from the air. So I'll be happy to have those conversations. Okay, thank you so much for your time, Didi. Amazing, thank you, it was amazing. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner.